Thanks for checking out the Basecamp podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Zach Spector. So if you have your Bible, open to John chapter 4. We're going we're gonna to talk. I've titled the message tonight, Passing Through. Passing Through. Have you ever passed through somewhere? Anybody? Just raise your hand. Have you ever passed through somewhere? Maybe you were on your way to one place and you passed through another. Has it ever been awkward? Have you ever passed through? I remember one time I tried to pass through this church. I passed through the kitchen on my way to this room. I walked in. I thought nobody was in here. And the academy was holding a gym class in here. But it wasn't gym like rambunctious like games being played. It was like everyone was sitting right here. It was, she had all of their attention. And I, I was passing through and I totally interrupted the entire thing. Have you, have you ever been in that position where you're just trying to pass through? I remember this is one of the worst stories, weirdest stories of my entire life. One time I was driving in Castle Rock at the outlet mall. Any of our ladies like shopping at the outlet mall? Any of our fellows like shopping at the outlet mall? I come bearing good news tonight, and that's that I want to tell you the outlet mall just got a Cinnabon. Like the real thing, man. They'll make you sick for like three weeks, but it's worth it. Anyways, there was one time I was at the outlet mall. This was probably a, maybe two years ago. I was driving uh, from one side of the outlet mall through another, passing through. You know where the Starbucks parking lot is? I was passing through that area of the parking lot at the outlet mall to get out of the outlet mall to go home to my condo. So I was just passing through the Starbucks parking lot. I'm on the phone with my dad, right? So I'm driving on the phone, one hand on the wheel, which is terrible driving. If you're, if you're in driver's school, they're going to tell you never drive with one hand on the wheel. I was driving with one hand on the wheel, talking to my father. Hey, dad, how's it going? What are you up to? Driving through just maybe like five miles per hour, just through the parking lot. And all of a sudden, I see this lady. She's got a... a giant purse. I don't understand why some ladies carry purses that are bigger than my biggest suitcase. They literally walk around with these. She had this purse that could have fit, I don't even know. It could have fit you in the purse. I mean, it was that big and she's walking around and she's just walking through the, the parking lot and she's got this giant purse. I'm just passing through it like five miles per hour on the phone with my dad, right? And I see this lady, and she's walking right towards the hood of my car. I'm thinking, lady, what are you doing? So I slow down a little bit more. I slow down a little bit more. I'm still on the phone with my dad. And then she walks around the side, and she holds up her hand like, like wait, wait, wait. And so she walks to my passenger window. And so uh, I, I put my phone out. I said, Dad, give me just a minute. I go to roll down my window, thinking she had a question. Maybe she was lost, confused. Maybe she wasn't from around there. So I go to roll down the window. My hands are kind of full. I've got my phone. I set it down. I, I, I unrolled out, rolled down the window. I looked to my right. She wasn't going for the window, though. She went straight for the door handle. She opens up my door handle, opens the door, hops right into my passenger seat, and she said, don't you ask questions. Drive me across the street to Lowe's, and don't say a word. <laughs> this really happened. And I was like, what are you doing? Get out of my car. But she's got this giant purse, and God only knows what's in that purse, man. 
There could be a knife or a gun or any other weapon. And so I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I was just passing through. I, I'm just going to do what you say. I don't want to die. She asked me just to drive her across the street to Lowe's. I was like, all right, all right, if that's what you want. So I start driving, I start driving. I go maybe 10 feet, and all of a sudden, four cop cars from both sides start flashing their sirens all around me. Every angle, every area. I'm looking in my rear view, the side, the side, the front, the front. Cops everywhere. Sirens and all. I slam on the brakes and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I thought I was just passing through. So I come to a complete stop. This lady doesn't even wait for the officer to get up to my door. She opens the door and gets out and starts running. Now I'm thinking... What in God's name did you do? <laughs> the officer comes up to my window and he says, sir, I need you to get up, get out of the car, put your hands behind your head and put your back towards me. Just like this, right up against the, the car. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. I don't even know. I, I'm so scared in this moment. I'm nervous. I'm sweating. I think I'm crying. My dad is still on the other line <laughs> listening to this thing. And so I say, officer, he says, don't you talk to me. And so I'm just standing there just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And I can see out of the peripheral that they're having, a, they caught her and they're having a conversation with her. And then the officers, the rest of them, come back over to me. And they say, sir, that woman over there told us that you were an accomplice. And we watched you drive from one end of the outlet mall over to this side of the outlet mall and it looked like you were leaving, you stopped, you stopped your car, you let her get into your car, and then you drove off. Can you please describe to us what you were doing? I was like, sir, I think this is a mistake. I was just passing through trying to go home. This woman came up to my hood, went around, hopped in my car, and told me to drive her to Lowe's immediately. And that's all that happened. I said, I don't know this woman. I don't know what's going on. And so they go and they talk and they do some more evidence and research. And finally, after a while, they're like, okay, we've got the story straight. We realize now that you're not a part of this at all and you can leave. All I was trying to do was pass through. That's it. One of the, and that's as true as, that's a really, really true story. So scary. One of the scariest moments of my life. But as we pick up our Bibles and we turn to John chapter 4, Jesus is going to be doing exactly what I was doing in my car. He's going to be passing through from one place to the other. If you've got your Bible, would you read along with me? If not, it will be on the screen behind me. In John chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, Although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. If you've got your Bible, underline that part right there. And he had to pass through Samaria. And he had to pass through Samaria. Jesus was in Judea going to Galilee. And the only way he could get from here to here was he had to pass through Samaria. He had to pass through it. Sometimes our pass-through is an assignment from God. 
Sometimes our pastor is an assignment from God. What we're about to read about is that this was not just a pastor. He thought he just had to pass through Samaria. It was much more than a, a pass-through. It was an assignment. Sometimes in our lives we get so busy doing things that we don't stop and pause and reflect and realize, hey, maybe God has me here for a purpose. Maybe there's an assignment or a mission for me while I'm in this place. Maybe while I'm on this baseball team, my assignment from God is to bring the light of the gospel to it. Maybe when everybody on my team is discouraging me and hollering at me and yelling at me, maybe my assignment is just to be encouraging, just to be loving, just to be kind, even when other people are mocking me. Maybe that's my assignment. We'll go on. It says, and he had to pass through Samaria. Verse 5 says, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. You can go ahead and underline Jacob's well was there and he was sitting beside the well. I got this little kiddie pool. This is my prop tonight. This is the well. Could you go with me? This is the well. So Jesus was so tired from his journey that he popped down right next to the well kiddie pool, and he sat there. Jesus was in Judea, going to Galilee, passed through Samaria, and sat down right next to the well. The well, the well, the well, the well. Look to your neighbor and say, the well. Look to your other neighbor and say, watch out for the well. Watch out for the well. Crazy things happen at the well. Do you know this? Crazy things happen at the well. In the Old Testament, what we read and realize is that three of our patriarchs, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses, all found their wife right next to a well. There's a whole lot of parallel that we're going to read about in this story but, but these three, Isaac, Jacob, Isaac found Rebekah, Jacob found Rachel, and Moses found Zipporah right next to a well. The well is a very significant spot in the Bible. Very significant. A lot of revelation. They call it a revelatory spot. It's a spot where a lot of revelation comes from. And so as we continue on in our journey, just keep the well in your mind. It says in verse 7, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman from Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Underline that entire verse, 10. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Living water. Living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Sir, you have nothing to draw water with. And the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? This woman is looking 
at Jesus. And what is she saying? She's saying, are you capable? Are you capable? I'm looking at you, Jesus. I'm looking at what you have, and I'm questioning in my mind if you're capable. Are you capable of drawing water? I think this is a spot a lot of us find ourselves in in our lives. Jesus is right in front of us. We know him. We've spent time with him. We're looking at him even. We look him in the eyes and we say, are you capable? Are you capable of saving me? Are you capable of healing me? Are you capable of delivering me? Are you capable of that miracle? Are you capable of, of, of rescuing my father? Are you take, capable? Are you capable? The story goes on and it says, where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us that well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Give me a drink. This is, if you look back at verse 7, it says this, Jesus said to her, give me a drink. As we just read in our story, Jesus is going to go on to tell her, hey, the water you have isn't even as good as the water I have. The water you have will run dry, but the water I have, it will never run dry. The water I have isn't dead, it's alive. I am living water. So my question as I read this passage is, why did Jesus look to this girl and say, give me a drink? If Jesus is eventually going to tell her, I am living water, why did Jesus look at her and say, give me a drink? That's the question that comes to my mind as I read this passage. And I think Jesus is trying to make a really big point. Can we throw that video up on the screen? As we're reading about water, talking about water and drinking and thirsty, and there's this clip in this movie that it reminds me of. I think we should quit forfeit. Yeah. Listen, I didn't get dragged down here just to get my butt whipped by a bunch of ugly monsters. I ain't going out like that. We're letting them push us around. We gotta fight them back. We gotta take it to them. We gotta get right in their faces. And what do you say? Are you with me or not? Yeah, finished? Uh, great speech and all, Doc. Uh, you had him riveted. But uh, didn't you forget something? What? Your secret stuff. <laughs> wow. Whoa. Nice deltoid. Play along. Hey, stop hogging it, Mike. We're your teammates. Secret stuff. Secret stuff? You wouldn't hold out on us, would you? No, I mean, I didn't think you guys really needed it. I mean, you're so tough. You're competitive. We're also chicken stuff. We need it bang. Hey! I'd like some of that. You know, this goes against everything they taught me in health class. You want to win or not? Bottoms up. <laughs> Yummy. All right. 
How about we go out and kick some alien butt, huh? Let's go. How about it, huh? Ready? That's one of the greatest movies. Is this on? Got it. When I'm reading about this water thing, man, this is the first thing that comes to my mind is Space Jam. And um, probably because Michael Jordan's the greatest of all time. And uh, as your pastor, I just want to lead you in the way of truth. Although Mike, uh, LeBron James is great. Anyways, that's, we'll talk about that later. Paul's shaking his head. This water, is, it's all about the water. There's something in the water. But was there actually something in the water in that video? I mean, do you remember? The, the, he was filling it up from a sink. He was filling it up from a sink. It wasn't like blessed water or holy water or special water. It wasn't secret sauce. It was tap water. But it was all about the perspective. And my question tonight, you can write this down. My question is, what is your heart posture when you come to the well? When you come to the well, when you come to Jesus, what is your heart posture? Who is Jesus to you? This woman had gone to the well with really, really bad intentions, in my opinion. As I, as I read this story, because as you, as you go on in the story, you're going to see that Jesus says, hey, uh, he calls her out and basically says, go get your husband. Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And so I'm thinking, like, why did Jesus say, go call your husband, and the woman say, I have no husband? Was she covering something? Maybe she found herself at a well with this man and wanted to say, I have no husband, to hopefully lead him on. The woman answered, and I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. In verse 39, we'll throw this on the screen. Jesus calls her out, and this is what happens back in the town. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. What was supposed to be a pass-through ended up being a two-day journey where many Samaritans came to believe in Jesus. Your pass-through may be an assignment. God may be giving you an assignment. Don't view it as just a pass-through. Let's make the most of every opportunity. Let's make every moment matter. Many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. I think this woman had a history of going up to the well, finding a man, and taking her home. That's what I think. And I think when she came back to the town and said, this must be the Messiah. He told me everything I've ever done. I think she went back to the town didn't have the man, and they all looked at her and said, where's the guy? Uh, I ran into a guy, but he wasn't the guy I thought he'd be. He actually told me everything I ever did, and I've given my life over to him. 
And I think they looked at that testimony, they looked at that story, and they said, that must be the Messiah. You have the power because of your testimony, because of what God's done in your life. While you're passing through somewhere, just by sharing your story, you may lead others to Jesus. That's how good the gospel is. This is the last thing I want to talk about. Why did Jesus ask for water? I was thinking of this story, and and basically, I will never let you have my iPhone. I will never even let you hold my iPhone. I'm very protective over not just my iPhone, my iPad. I'm telling you, anything that I, I value my possessions. Anybody else? If you ask, it's not even that I don't trust you. I'm sure you're good with your possessions. But I've had many times where somebody says, hey, can I see your phone? I let them see my phone. And then all of a sudden it lands face down on the concrete. And my phone's cracked in a million pieces. I had to learn how to fix iPhone screens just because of that. I will never give you my iPhone. Never. Unless I know that you will upgrade it. If I were to know by giving my phone to Paul that he would return my iPhone 7 with an iPhone X, I would be like, Paul, here's my phone. Take it, bro. Have it. I don't even care if you drop it and crack it, man. Like, if you have the X and you're going to upgrade me, it's all yours. Jesus asks for water because he gives living water. Jesus asks for our lives because he upgrades it and gives us abundant life. That's why Jesus asks for your life. Jesus asks for your depression because he upgrades it and he gives you joy. Jesus asks for our doubt because he upgrades it. And he gives us hope. He asks for our fear. Because he can upgrade it. God can upgrade it. Jesus never asks for something from you because he he doesn't want you to have it or he wants to hinder you or limit you. Jesus wants your life because he has the power to upgrade it. He has the power to take your life and give you an even better one. He has the power to take your dreams and give you even better dreams. He is the God of the upgrade, and he wants to upgrade you, and he wants to upgrade me, but we have to give it to him. We have to give him our jars and say, Jesus, you fill it. This woman just kept coming to the well and going, coming and going, coming and going, coming and going. Filling it up with water and drinking it and losing it. Filling it up with water and drinking it and losing it. So what happens in this story? The last verse we'll look at. If I can find it. The last verse we'll look at, it won't be on the screen, but but read it if you've got it, is chapter 4, verse 28. It says, so the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? The woman left her jar at the well with Jesus. Why? Because she knew he could fill it. 
The question we're going to end with tonight is, who's filling your jar? Who's, are you filling your jar? Are you filling your jar? Are, are your friends filling your jar? Are your, is your iPhone, are your devices, are your games, are your video games, is that what's filling your jar? What is filling your jar? Jesus is the only one that can fill your jar and it will never run dry. You keep going and going and go. I think of it like gas in a car. Jesus has gas that never runs dry. And everyone who can drive said amen. No more stops at the gas station. Jesus fills your, your car up with gas. It will never run dry. But as long as you keep trying to fill your car and fill your jar on your own, it will keep running dry and running dry and running dry and running dry. Jesus, we thank you that you fill us up. We never run dry. We thank you that you give us life and life abundantly. That when we hand you over our lives, you always return it a hundredfold. You always return it. You always restore it. You always redeem it. You always upgrade. We thank you that you're not asking for our broken lives that we may stay broken. You ask for our broken lives that you may make us whole. We pray, Jesus, that you would make us whole, that you would make us like you. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Our base camp community aims to take young people onward and upward in their walk with Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at basecampsm.com or follow us on any social media platform at basecamp underscore sm. Have a great rest of your day.